Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of Happy Hour at the Bar. This episode is brought to you by ToughMed. ToughMed is the first sports brand in natural healthcare, like birds, bees for badasses. ToughMed creates the most effective and safest all-natural health and body care products specifically for athletes who care about their body and don't want harmful chemicals in their products. ToughMed makes organic aloe creams for treating bruises, cuts, scrapes, burns, blisters, sore joints, sore muscles, black eyes, torn hands, and they make the best all-natural athletic soap on the market today. All products are hypoallergenic and don't contain any banned substances, irritants, or stimulants. They're safe enough for babies and strong enough for, strong enough for UFC fighters. All-around great stuff from a company owned by real athletes. You can check them out at toughmed.com. That's T-U-F-M-E-D.com. Use the code HAPPYHOUR for 10% off your order. Also brought to you by No Sweat. Disposable hat and helmet liners. Keeps sweat out of your eyes, reduces fogging and mass, help prevent sweat stains, and decreases risk of acne buildup. Their disposable performance liners were created to help improve performance while maintaining maximum comfort in headwear. Currently, they have a solid traction in the hockey market with every NHL ref, 12 NHL teams, and a handful of men's and women's college teams using their product. They have also found success in NASCAR, Formula One, the PGA Tour, along with several other sport and occupational markets as they continue to expand and grow their reach. Check them out on Instagram at NoSweat and on the line at nosweatco.com. This episode is also brought to you by Regime Nutrition Recover Protein. Regime Nutrition's Recover is the next level in post-workout nutrition. It is, or it's new and cutting-edge ingredients combined with its fast-digesting formula of 2 to 1 ratio of carbs to protein allows for unparalleled recovery over other post-workout supplements. Recover is not just the greatest post-workout of all time. It is also easy on the stomach, great for your on-the-grow n- nutrition throughout your day. Um, we actually uh, have had the benefit of um, trying this out. Uh, we had, um, Tyler sent us the uh, chocolate and peanut butter version, and it is awesome. Um, it's very filling, but not heavy on the stomach like they mentioned. Um, you can check them out, regimenutrition.com or Regime Nutrition on Instagram. This episode is also brought to you by Compax USA. Get stronger, faster, without working harder. From warming up, working out, and cooling down, Compax Electric Muscle Stimulator will help to accelerate your fitness results. With pre-designed programs, you can activate hard-to-reach muscle fibers quicker than your regular training regimen and with less stress on your body. Providing major benefits across all areas of performance, whether you're a newbie or elite. Here's the down and dirty of what complex muscle stimulation can deliver. Increase explosive strength, reduce muscle and joint damage, avoid training fatigue, and faster recovery. Check them out at compaxusa.com or compaxusa on Instagram. We were pretty uh, excited when we found out they were gonna send us a uh, unit, and I tell you what, I've been living by it. Um, I basically am connected to it 100, you know, 24 hours a day, it's kinda crazy, but um, and getting great results, uh, definitely recovering faster, definitely not feeling as sore as I should be uh, after workouts, which is always a benefit, uh, and being able to work out longer and harder. Episode is also brought to you by Versalifts. Versalifts are adjustable heel inserts made to be worn in training shoes to optimize squat movement patterns and are widely used in the fields of strength and conditioning, sports medicine, and functional fitness, aka CrossFit. Versalifts consists of three layers of one-eighth inch neoprene rubber topped off with a layer of durable, breathable leather. 
Individual layers can be easily removed to achieve a customized lift height, ranging from 1 8 inch to over 3 8 inch. Versalifts are durable and designed to last as long as the pair of shoes in which they are used. To add versatility to your favorite training shoes, simply insert Versalifts above or beneath the insole of where desired. Check them out at vlifts.com and on, and on Instagram at Versalifts. Uh, these are pretty awesome. Uh, we use these pretty regularly in our gym at CrossFit Diversion, and also I know Aaron uses these a lot just for freaking walking around and being a little bit taller. So um, check them out. Uh, we stand by them. It's a great product. Uh, if you have any inquiries, please reach out to us, let us know, or find them uh, at vlifts.com or Versalifts on Instagram. This podcast is also brought to you by Victory Grips. Victory Grips are the result of uh, intensive research of understanding the needs and behaviors of functional fitness athletes of all levels. Through collaboration with athletes and tested in high-volume training and competition, we have come up with a design that is so innovative in its details that we have a patented status with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. The focus of the design is centered on performance, protection, and durability. We have also added the ability for you to customize the grips through color and pattern templates to make them your own. Additionally, we are the only functional fitness grip company that manufactures designs specifically for men and women. Although men and women may have the same size hand dependent on individual's height, a woman's hand is narrower, therefore... They try to ensure the best fit for every individual. Check them out at victorygrips.com or victorygrips on Instagram. This is another product that we stand by 100%. Um, I believe you know 80% of the gym that we're or the, the box that we're currently at uses these. Uh, I know Joe put in a massive order for them a couple months back so that everybody could hop on the bandwagon. I personally will never go back to another li- uh, another grip. Um, since I've switched over to Victory Grips, I have not ripped at all. I'm a larger person too, so I'm about 260 pounds Uh, and hanging from the bar can definitely, you know, do a number on my hands. So uh, the fact that I haven't had a rip and also uh, it's actually made me a little bit better as far as pull-ups and toes of bar, things like that on the rig itself, uh, it always makes for a better experience when working out. So check them out. On this episode of the podcast, we had Rob Bailey, owner of Flag Nor Fail. Uh, You can check them out at flagnorfail.com. Or you can follow Rob at Kill Rob Bailey. That's K I L L R O B B A I L E Y on Instagram. Rob Bailey is the owner of Flagnor Fail. They are a clothing or a tire an, an attire company, um, or an apparel company. Sorry, um, and they have grown over the years, uh, not only from types of clothing but style, and also kind of where they're trying to reach. Um, Rob kind of does a little bit of everything. So Rob owns Flag Nor Fail. He also owns Warhouse Gym in um, Reading, PA. He um, has a you know car garage that he maintains a bunch of cars out of. And then they also just moved out to Montana in order to start a, or build the warehouse out that way. Uh, the cool part about Flag Nor Fail is that they take their approach um, in the way that they take their approach in the apparel world. Um, and the meaning of flag nor fail is pretty cool. No surrender, no failure, no mass production. The thing that I like about flag nor fail is that they don't mass produce any of their stuff. So they're all in limited quantities, um, and they're all very high quality. So it's very nice to see 
you know, attention to detail and also the way that they've grown over the years too. Um, this was a pretty cool conversation because of the way that we were able to just have a conversation with, with Rob. It was not necessarily something that we initially thought out really hard. Um, we wanted to make it as informal as possible and just kind of, you know, have a conversation, see where it went. Um, you'll be glad to know that Rob is a very cool dude, very down to earth. Um, it's always interesting when you sit down with these people that, um, have had success and are, are someone that you somewhat look up to, uh, in a way, as far as seeing what they've done and, and trying to mimic some of that success in your own life and finding out that they are actually, you know, as down to earth and, uh, easily approachable as they are on their social media platforms and, or when you meet them in person at, at um, promotional gathering so it was very cool um check them out at uh, flagnorfail.com or kill rob bailey on instagram and as always head over to itunes give us a five-star review if you would like to hear anybody else on this podcast just let us know and we hope you enjoy talk to you soon So, what is flag nor fail? Oh, we we're moving. We're right jumping in right, right in. We're going right into this shit. Fuck yeah! Um, all right, so yeah, flag nor fail is our, our apparel line. Our uh, what are we calling it? Lifestyle apparel. We're trying to change it because everyone's using lifestyle apparel. I think we're we're going with like athletic streetwear with an adventure influence. I don't know if that's too much. Um, but yeah, it's our it's our clothing line. My wife and I, Dana Lynn Bailey, you may know her. Yep. Just a little bit. Yeah, just some uh, some people know her. It's weird. Like, some people really <laughs> know her, and then some people have no idea who she is. So, Well, for the yeah. listeners that don't know who she is. Uh, she is, geez, um, <laughs> Olympia 2000-something, 13. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's, like, her biggest accomplishment. I think... Uh, Marrying you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think her biggest accomplishment is like what she's done for women lifting. Um mm-hmm. she was one of the first girls that like I think really broke uh, broke out on social and 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 was lifting heavier weight as a female. Um and I think sort of like led that movement for a while back in fuck 2012 or 13, 14, I don't know, whatever. So no, years. Guess. I think it was 13. Somewhere around there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, dude, she's pretty badass, not gonna lie. Thank you, man. Yeah, I've met you guys a couple times. It's, it's You guys are probably one of the most humble people I've met, too, as far as welcome, like talking to everybody, too, during those meet-and-greet sessions that you guys have at like different places throughout the area. But um, Yeah, we try to stay real, because, I mean, we're, like, realistically, we're not that special. I'm just some, like, slightly oversized dickhead with a mohawk. <laughs> And she's just a girl who lifts weights. So, like, we're really not that special. Yeah. <laughs> but. That's awesome. But your Instagrams are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, so let, let's talk about the, the, the clothing line that you have. You know, how did you, how did you come about, you know, wanting to do, wanting to be in, in the clothing industry? Like, how did that come about? Oh, Jesus. So, when I was, um. I guess I was like 11 years old. Uh, we lived out in the woods, and my mom would work night shift, and she would sleep all day. 
So like I couldn't get to friends' houses because we were pretty remote. So she taught me how to sew, and um, I was sort of really into punk rock, but I also played sports, so I was like sort of confused. Um, and I would sew like all day. I started sewing all my clothes. Um, I sewed my tux for prom. Um, I used to win like every single fashion show, but then when it came time to go to college, um, you know, everyone in my life, this was back in, I guess, 1999, everyone was like, yo, you can't be an artist. There's no future in fashion. Like, don't be silly. Go to school to play football. So I went to school to play football, uh, which is where I met Dana. Um, and then I, I dropped out of school, went to art school, dropped out of art school, um, and started working as a freelance designer. And at one point in time, I, I realized that you can just sort of start a company now. Um, you don't really need that much capital. You don't even really need to know what you're doing. So I just sort of started an apparel line. I noticed in the, in the um, this was back in like 2009, there was nobody really like, there were skate companies that had like small indie cool brands that like, if you were a skater or you're a BMXer, like you had like fucking little devil. But if you were in the fitness industry, there was no small dope brands. Like you had to buy Nike or I think there was uh, there was House of Pain, which I'm not even sure if they're around anymore. I think they sort of are, but they're not as big as they were. And um, there was just nobody in the market that had like a small indie brand. I never wanted to be a fitness brand, um, but I saw there was sort of a window there. So we came up with Flagner Fail, and uh, with the initial investment of four hundred dollars, we um, <laughs> printed four hundred dollars in shirts and flipped it and flipped it and flipped it until. We made this little empire, and that's like the the short version, I guess. Yeah, no, that's pretty crazy. I mean, we've we've dabbled so far. I mean, Joe knows more about the shirt um, creation and and the and the shirt you know printing world. Um, his dad does a lot of that stuff too. But we dabbled in kind of starting our own. I want to say I don't like lifestyle brand, but we yeah. sold some T-shirts. That's kind of the term that we're we're, we're trying to go after. And dude, it, it it's fucking hard, man. It's like, cause we ordered all these shirts, and now we have all these fucking random sizes that like. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, what are we gonna do to get rid of these shirts? Like, go just mark them down and just try to sell them. And it's like, it, it's yeah, crazy. And that's what that's what people don't realize is, um, it's like it's not easy. And no. a lot of times when you start a brand, um, you'll get that that initial run you'll do. Your friends are gonna buy it. Like, all your friends are going to be like, oh, fuck yeah, bro, we're going to support you. And they'll all buy that first run. You'll sell 200 shirts. And then when you make your next shirt, everyone's like, eh, they don't really care as much, unfortunately. Um, it's just fucking hard. And that's why uh, we started out with, like, the limited quantities hand-printed. Because what I was doing was a lot of the apparel that I was buying was on clearance um, on, like, the bigger distribution sites. Mm-hmm. So like I would go up with like three mediums, 15 larges, you know, 25 smalls and 10 extra larges. I would hand print all those and it would just sell out instantly. And because I was hand printing and doing such small weird numbers with everything selling out so quick, it just created this like monster hype around the brand. Um, in addition to that, like, I don't know if uh, you guys might not know, but when I first started out, I wanted to prove to everyone that I was the one printing the shirts. Like I, I wanted to do something that that showed everyone like how hard I was working because that's what everyone does right now, right? They're like, "Hey, man, I'm working 20 hours a fucking day and I'm yeah. not sleeping," and and that's like the that's what everyone says. But 
the beauty about silk screening is you don't like leave your fucking spot. Like if you're printing on a press, you're right there. So what I did was for like the first three or four months, I live streamed myself on uh, I think it was like Ustream or something. <laughs> and like you could sign on at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., fucking 5:15 in the morning, five o'clock in the afternoon, and like you would see me listening to, to, to fucking dubstep printing, <laughs> and I thought it was like a really cool way to like prove that like. I'm actually working 20 hours a day. Um, so like I did a bunch of like little things when I started out like that, that I think really gave the brand traction. In addition to that, um, I mean, Dana was blowing up on every social media platform ever. And then also in the bodybuilding circuit world. So it, all the stars sort of aligned, there was nobody in the market and we just sort of fucking murdered it. Yeah. It was definitely pretty cool seeing, seeing you guys blow up how you did. And it's, it's also kind of cool when you buy the clothing to know that there are limited quantities of everything so that it's not going to be like, you know, a th- like, you know, a couple thousand people walking around in your, in your town with the same shirt, like Nike or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, it stands out more. Like, Oh, you got that one. Fuck. Yeah. I really wanted to get my hands. I think, on what it. did you have? The hundred, the hundred and below. Is that what was it called? Yeah. So we did, we did under 100 for a while, um, which is where we print a hundred of each size and then we'd hand number them all. So, that was really, really cool. Unfortunately, like, as we grew, I limited the growth. So I think, like, uh, two years ago, we hit a number monthly that, in my wildest dreams, I never thought we were going to hit. And um, we got there, and it was like, we were all running full speed. I had 40 employees, and we were all kicking ass, and we were growing. And I still looked around, and I said, like, I want to cap. This is our number. Like, we're done. And everyone like looked at me because you know my brother wants to retire. He works for him. Everybody else went crazy. And the fucking boss turns to everyone and says like, "No, I want to cap sales." Um, just because I, I wanted to, I wanted the brand to stop growing. Um, so we really haven't. It's weird to say, but we haven't had any, had any growth in about two years. Um, we've been consistently hitting that number. I know that I could blow the brand up to be like a fucking whatever twenty million dollar, twenty five million dollar brand if I wanted to. But I'm trying to keep it in, like, this interesting, like, sweet spot where we can still do really cool shit, like the rain jacket we just released, where, it, like, we can still say this, stay this hype underground brand without, you know, running that bell curve that everyone runs where they, where they explode up and then all of a sudden it's too cool and it goes away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say then that you're not expanding. You're expanding in a different way. You're just not expanding sales because your brand, yeah, exactly. you're, exactly. you're the want and demand for your shit is still there a, a lot. It's huge. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I have a deeper question that you uh, piqued my interest of earlier when you were discussing winning a fashion show. And then you were also explaining to me that you lived in a rural area. How, how, what was it like then to grow up in the nineties being a fashion person in a rural area. Cause we live in a rural area and I had a friend of mine who was deeply into fashion and he was teased relentlessly and he was one of my best friends and I loved him to death and I still teased them. But that's, what was that like? So I, I had this weird advantage that I was, uh, I was 210 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> 6'3", 210, I was the fastest one in my high school, I was the strongest one in my high school, um, I played every sport, but I just loved the sew, so like, no one would really fuck with me, the only the only people didn't like me is, 
like sort of like the gangsterish guys That's that funny. um that their girlfriends would like me because I would sew. <laughs> and they were the ones who were like, I, ah, you know, he's, you know, uh, I can't even think what word to use um, and be politically incorrect. But you know, they 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 try to say I was we soft can, and shit like we that. We can use our imagination. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. doesn't really matter. You can say whatever you want. Not the sense of yourself. I've said worse. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron has definitely said worse. So I have said the worst things, and we still podcast. get people to listen, <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy. But, but no, no I, it wasn't that hard. It, uh, I just sort of did it. Now, when I went out like into the real world, um, I couldn't take much time to sew or do art just because everyone had me convinced that there was no living to make there. Like starving artist. Like, yeah, you, and that, and that's what they said. You know, you're gonna be a starving artist, um, and. Shout out to my parents. I just bought my parents their second house. Um, nice. Yeah. That's so, awesome. There you go, starving artist. Man. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, so like, I guess, what what's the origin of the name then, Flag Nor Fail? How'd that um, come about? So I wanted something like, because that was my big thing. My first, my first ever clothing line I tried to start was called Broken Text. And, um, it didn't mean anything. Like, it didn't make sense to me. I, I used to write graphics back in the day, and broken text sort of made sense. But when it came time for, uh, like, an actual brand, I wanted something that, like, sort of resonated a little deeper, translated across, you know, multiple platforms. So I didn't want something that was, like, strictly about the gym or something that was as transparent as, like, a no fear. I wanted something that the average person would look at it and be interested, but have to sort of ask and be explained what the meaning was. And then once they got the meaning of flag nor fail, you know, no surrender, no failure, that whole no give up, you know, keep running through it. Um, once they actually found out the meaning and they could relate, relate it to their own lives, it's something that they would like carry on. So I, I was trying to, I, I'm happy we started out with such a solid name that we could like, you know, sort of have it last this long. And affect people in the way that it affects people. Yeah, I know it's funny. So there's one of these guys, one of the guys I went to college with played ice hockey, and he has Flag Nor Fail, the logo, like you have on the back of the shirts, um, on his back. <laughs> like oh, no right, shit. Right across, his, right across the top of his back. It's Flag Nor Fail in, this, like the, in the same scripture as, as this shirt. Where, like, where are you from? Like this, South Jersey. Like that. Oh, that's cool. Across his back. It's like, oh, where nuts. where's he from? Uh, he's from? Yeah, he's from South Jersey. So most of all of us here are we're in. Um, I live in Washington Township. These guys live in Williamstown and um, Vineland. Vineland. Yeah. So okay. we're we're all, only about you know twenty five minutes outside of Philadelphia. In, okay, okay. In Jersey. So um, yeah, no, and he he got that like I want to say five years ago, four years oh, ago. Sh- so it was like right like me and him. Found found you guys, and then all of a sudden I looked over and he had a fucking tattoo on his back <laughs> with the name, and I was like, oh, I mean that's pretty, I mean, it's kind of it's pretty badass. I'm not gonna lie, but it's kind of funny. So um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of tattoos. Um, there's a lot of tattoos. It's it's really really cool to see. Well, the anchor and the axe, man. It's something that it resonates with a lot of people. I think, and yeah. it's just a fucking badass design too. Like, thank you, man. It's a cool logo. It, it flows well. It's something that we remember too. So. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no problem. That's one of the things that I, that caught my attention right away. But the cool thing that I like about your brand is that uh, I've been able to see you guys grow and kind of mature as a brand too. And seeing the last couple of releases, 
going from like the first like the first initial like let's say three four years a lot of like the uh the graffiti type lettering yep. like the flag nor fail down the front that looks like you know like paint streaks and that's like the red the red shirt with the black lettering is like one of my favorite shirts that I have from like I think it was like three four years ago. Yep. And it's it's a killer shirt and I still wear it like all the time and like the whole kill everything mentality to this you know this newer sort of like with the jacket and with the block type shirts like with the solid colors but there are a couple yeah. of different blocks and I'm like it's just pretty like it's cool to see it grow because it's changing. It's the evolution of an artist. Yeah, and, but it's it's changing but it's not drastic in a way that it's going to turn people away yeah and i think that um you know i've always wanted to get more into cut and sew and one of the big problems is i'm from fucking pennsylvania you know what i mean so like (laughs) cut and sew is the shittiest process on the fucking earth dude it's the fucking (laughs) templates everything can someone explain to me what cut and sew is because i have no (laughs) fucking clue making your own materials yeah so like you can go out, if you want to start a clothing line, you have a couple options. You go out, you, if you buy like a Fruit of the Loom t-shirt and print on that, you know, it's, that's sort of like bottom of the barrel. And then if you want to get like a nicer product, you can go out and get like American Apparel. And then if you want like, if you want to get your own hoodie to like actually make the patterns, decide how the seams are done, pick out fabrics, like the whole process into actually creating a garment is called cut and sew. And... When we got to the point in time where we were able to do that, it took a long time to make those connections just because we're not in fucking, you know, we're not in New York. We're not in L.A. I'm in fucking Redding, Pennsylvania. Like, it's not, there's no connection <laughs> there whatsoever. Um, and now I'm in Montana, which is weirder. Um, well, out there, you can just get, like, the basic product now, can't you? You can just, like, print on, like, rawhide and all that other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, get it exactly. dirt cheap at cost. But so did, did you guys ever go down that route of cut and sew? Or you just explored it and said, this is... This no, is no, no, we do cut and sew. We oh, do awesome. Cut and sew. Nice. So um, all of our t-shirts are v-necks. Uh, not all of our t-shirts. Our stock t-shirt is not cut and sew. Um, everything else is, though. So our hoodies, our flannels, our jackets, our, uh, we're coming out with like a bubble vest. Um, I mean, everything you see from us and everything in the works, our joggers, um, our hoodies for like the last four years when cut and sew. Nice. Um, I mean, we're... we're I don't, it's not cut and sew bag design, but all of our duffels, everything's like actually broken down with a pattern now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fucking challenging, man. And that's what like, I did cap sales and I cap growth of the brand, but we're, we're sort of, we're growing in quality and we're growing in, in different ways. But yeah, I'm keeping the numbers the same and I'm keeping the quantity the same. I'm just trying to make a better product. Cool. Yeah, the cut and sew is the way to go. It was, uh, it was painstaking. We made, um, a kid's line and we did shirts and we got our, our, you know, you should have seen the warehouse, 50, 60 bolts of fabric of all different colors, just sitting there waiting to be cut and sewn. And I was like, yeah, this, we're not, we're not ready for this. We're not going to do this again. <laughs> yeah. And you'll, you lose a lot of money really quick. Yep. Like I remember our first V-necks that came in. Um, we had V-necks that came in that we designed, we got them made to our specs and they showed up and they didn't fit at all. And oh, no. they wouldn't take them back. And like, I look like we, I never really lost money this whole time. And I, I lost $90,000 on fucking V-necks like four years ago. <laughs> and that was where it was like, oh, okay, this is real now. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I've been kicked in the dick a lot going through a lot of the processes, but you know, I, I like it. I like trying to figure it all out. Yeah. It's so I'm, I'm glad you talked about that. Cause most people, you know, I mean, we've started our own, you know, we started our own businesses. A lot of us, you've, 
started a super successful business. You're the 1% club that grinds it out and makes it work and gets there. You know, talk to the people about, I mean, what it takes to start a startup and become successful. People just don't get it. Like you said, it's the Instagram sensations. Like, oh, I'm working 20 hours a day. It's like, it's all smoke and mirrors 99% of the time. You know, what goes into, you know, you touched on, you know, printing your own shit, you know, what goes into that, you know, losing 90 grand on a job where some people would say, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. Um, well, I think that like my, my big belief is like my whole life, I've, 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 whatever job I've done, I've done it as well as possible. And I put everything into it. Even if I had to clock out and keep working, whether it was washing dishes, whether it was waxing boats, cutting grass, anything, I've always tried to do everything as well as I could do it. And I've always tried to, as I do a task, learn how to do it better and do it faster. And with having employees, I've had well over like 200, 300 employees now. Um, and a lot of them don't understand that. They just want to do the bare minimum and get done. And I actually had a uh, one of my staff that uh, isn't with me anymore, but he, he's worked with me since he was, I think I hired him at 17 to 24. He's worked for me. And bro hated his job. Like he was the print shop manager. He just didn't like it. He always felt like he was meant for more. And um, uh, I started buying S-Rocks, which are like a, as far as the um, the automatic press world, an S-Rock is like a Ferrari. So like a normal auto press is $30,000. These are like, they start at 80. So they're just, they're insanely expensive, but they're really good. And I ended up getting three of them. And in the auto press world, um, we got known as like the shop with three S-Rocks. So he went to go sell cars and uh, this, he hasn't committed to the job yet. So if he listens to this, he's going to fucking do it. But <laughs> S-Rock, just, S-Rock just hit him up for like one of the top sales positions to sell those machines because he's like mastered them. Right. And I think a lot of people don't realize that is like, yeah, he, he put in like four years of learning these really shitty machines and like every day just sort of not digging it. And now he's out and he's set up to have like a really dope fucking job with no degree, with no anything. And I think a lot of times that what people, they just wanted to work now, they don't realize that like you have to do 10 different shitty jobs and then take a skill set from all those 10 jobs. And then at one point in time, the stars are going to align. And if you can step up to the fucking plate and like when those stars align, bring all those skill sets together, you'll be there. But, like, it just doesn't happen when you decide, ooh, I want to be fucking Andy Frisella and drive a Lambo. Like, <laughs> no, it, it, it doesn't happen. No. And that's what people think right now. And part of that's because that's what everyone's selling on Instagram is just, like, I mean, I get caught up in it, too. You know, like, I'm posting fucking 9-11s like an idiot. Like, I don't know. You want to, like, show people what you have, but then it just, like, confuses people and they think that that's how it happens. Like, I don't know. Doesn't happen like that. No, there's yeah. a story behind it though. You got to eat shit for ten years. You know the overnight yeah. success story. It takes ten years to become an overnight success. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, it all comes down to yeah. You can post pictures about nine elevens, but you also lived in the warehouse for a while. You know, yeah. spending yeah. endless nights in the warehouse. Like, I mean, yeah. there's there's a lot of shit. People don't see that stuff. So people but only growing, see. <laughs> growing up, I wanted to live in a warehouse. Like that was my. <laughs> <laughs> like. My whole dream growing up was like one day I wanted to get a warehouse 
and I wanted to fill it up with like all the shit that I wanted and I wanted to live in it, right? Because it's like the dopest thing ever. And then once I got like 40 employees and I had a car shop that would work all night and I realized like I couldn't sleep, I couldn't properly like have sex with my wife. Like <laughs> there was like, I, I couldn't get a shower without running into like random employees in the hallway. Um, <laughs> it, like the novelty really ran off. Um, but yeah, we did that for what, three years, three, four years, lived in a fucking warehouse. But yeah, like, and it's weird though, cause people that start following me recently don't even know that shit. Like they don't know, which is weird for me that people don't know the last, you know, five years of this. They're seeing this year right now where it's like, oh, he's just doing whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> yeah. Now I am. <laughs> yeah. They forgot about the 15 years of eating shit. Yeah. All the oodles of noodles nights. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's, um. Especially as a business owner, like trying to to explain to other people that like this is the kind of time that we've put in, and it's it's never something that you need an accolade for. And I feel like that's a lot of times what people want is an accolade for, you know, spending X amount of hours at your job. Like you don't get a fucking prize for that. No one ever is gonna pat you on the back and say nice job, like thanks for you know doing this and that because no one fucking knows and that's the point it's kind of like I'm, i mean i imagine on the football field that's how it was in my lifting career there was hours and hours and hours i spent in the gym hating my fucking self for uh 10 seconds of glory yeah if you yep. want to call it that and then it was just back to it again like it's almost like you end up falling in love with that the dirt, the shit, the, the everything that no one else likes, you're like, no, nah, I'm just going to eat this and yeah. it'll be fine. You have to. You don't actually. <laughs> oh, you're right. You, do, you don't have to. You yeah. do not. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't and they choose not to and they, they wonder why. And I, I, I don't know. It's just, I find it so fascinating that you got into fashion in fucking Reading, Pennsylvania. I still can't get it out of my head, dude. It's like so far out there. Like, I've been to Reading many times for wrestling tournaments. It's out there, yeah. bro. Yeah. I went to Kutztown um, for two years yeah. in college. Um, played football up there. And, uh, yeah, there's nothing up there. No. <laughs> there's, like, it is funny because if you wanted to go do anything from Kutztown, you had to go to Reading. And there's still nothing to do there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God your so mom taught you how gym. to sew. Shout out to my gym. Yes. Yeah, tell people about the gym. Yeah, if you ever go to Reading, uh, Warehouse Gym's there. It's pretty fucking dope. It is definitely dope. Um, Thank you. Do they have yeah. weightlifting weights? Do yeah, they have everything? We have, we have everything. <laughs> oh, we'll go tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we leave in the morning. <laughs> so what's that like, trying to... Uh, having a gym in, in Pennsylvania and living out in Montana? I know it's fresh, so what's that been like, juggling? Um, so I've been flying back like for a couple days a month. It's hard. Um, it's weird. Cause like all the local gyms are trying to, um, are like, they spread rumors and shit. Like, <laughs> oh, no, no way. No. Shocker. Yeah. Believe it or not. <laughs> that doesn't so, like, happen to us at all. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, everyone's trying to say that like, since, since we're moving to Montana, the gym is just going to close now. And it's like, well, no, I built the dopest gym ever. Like every piece of equipment I've ever wanted, every bar I've ever wanted, you know, we have like 18 different squat stations. We, I mean, we have everything. Um, and it's operating. And, and for some reason, people can't understand that you can operate a business and not be there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little worried that like, I'm a little worried that, you know, I'm very hard on businesses. So I want them to grow and progress constantly. And I'm worried that like, without me there, it may not which is why I come back once a month. 
<laughs> well, I mean, that's fair. I mean, you also, it seems like you've created a good culture, you know, with each company that you've started or created, right? And I think that goes a long way with, you know, running a gym itself. You I mean, you want to create a good culture, but you, you're going to hire the right people, right? So you're yeah. going to hire the right people that will do right by you because they're invested in the gym itself too. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we have a solid group of like 20 members that, that's like the members. And, uh, I mean, they keep an eye on the place. Like, they, they treat it as well as the staff treats it. So I think that's part of it too is like once you build build the right gym, you build the right staff, like you'll even get that membership uh, – the people that just come there that will care about the gym. Like you care about the gym yeah. and like they'll put stuff back if people leave weights out and like, and we have that there. So it's really dope. Sounds pretty similar. Yeah. yeah so just a background on, on like Joe, Joe, we just, op- or Joe opened up a CrossFit affiliate in Williamstown, um, CrossFit diversion, which is where we're at right now. And we have a very similar feel to what you're explaining. You know, it's a very, it's a very community like feel, you know, a lot of the members treat it like this is their home. Um, and that's, you know, it's something that one, I'm not familiar with from coming from like the LA fitness scene and like, you yeah. know, going to like retro fitness and stuff like that, where you literally just treat the gym like shit and then, you know, put your stuff yeah. and you get yelled at for deadlifting and it's just, it's just annoying. But you know, that, that's the corporate gym scene. Right. And yeah. it was kind of nice seeing, seeing, you know, seeing the warehouse gym come up and it was like. You know, a place where you could do all that stuff and like that dungeon in the basement, like that place that it, it was it was cool to see that come about. And then my buddies opened up uh, Garden State Barbell in South Jersey. And that place is, um, you know, just an old school type powerlifting gym where you can go and slam weights around and and have fun and sweat. And everybody takes care of the gym like no, it's a 24 hour gym. Like there's a pass to get in like nobody so sometimes when people aren't there and it's like it just gets taken care of and people clean up same thing here people come here people work out clean the shit up and we put it back that way we can do the same shit again the next day and not have to worry about shit breaking or shit falling apart exactly how much more um do you think it's more challenging to run a gym versus a clothing company like what's harder to run I mean, the gym, you just need to set it up properly. You know what I mean? Um, yes, I do. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, the clothing line is like, it can go out of style. You know what I mean? It, it needs constant attention. The gym, like, there's a few things that when I started the gym, I wanted to do. One, I want to have a higher price point than everyone else in the area. Um, because I don't want those members that want to pay $20 now or $20. I don't want the, I don't want the $10 members. I don't want to compete with golds. Um, I knew I was going to have more expensive equipment in there. Like I was going to have a monolith. You know, we we're going to have multiple deadlift platforms. We're going to have, I mean, I have what three sets of dumbbells up to two hundred now. Like two hundred pound dumbbells are unheard of, and I have three sets that go up to two hundred. Um, so, like, I wanted to give everyone that that higher uh, higher quality of a gym with more equipment for a higher price point to sort of like lock in the people that were serious and get rid of the riffraff. Um, the other thing that, like, I always thought you need to do as a gym owner is constantly add equipment, even if it's, like, a bar. Because a lot of people appreciate a bar. So even if you get, like, a new Rogue Power bar, like, people will see that and they'll appreciate that you're making changes. Um, we also low-key try to rearrange every once in a while. Um, we try to hold events. Um, but it, it's it's not that hard. 
you know, like once it's established and it's going and it's a good model, um, I feel like the gym sort of runs itself. Once you build that culture, mm-hmm. um, a clothing line on the other, on the other hand, like that's constant attention. It's everyday customer service. It's, you know, evolving designs. It's staying in touch with seasons. It's all that shit. So I think, I think running the clothing line is way harder than running a gym. Is it true that there's actually 52 weeks of style now a year? I don't know. I don't <laughs> my, my girlfriend said to me that there, there's now 52 weeks of styling. Like, like every week there's a new style as opposed to every season now. And I didn't Ugh. believe her. I fucking wear t-shirts and shorts and sweatpants all but, year round. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Listen, I love your brand. I haven't bought clothing in a very long time, though. <laughs> like I just if you met Aaron, do you think he's homeless? <laughs> Jesus Christ. People think I'm homeless. See, I, we would get along. My brother says all the time, he goes, You could be rich or poor and no one would have any fucking idea. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's the way I like it. That's funny. Alright, so Plus, I started buying like these stupid fucking watches, like these expensive watches that all these guys wear. <laughs> because I found out that like if you can wear like a really expensive watch, like if you're wearing like a nice Rolex or something like that. People will take you serious, even though you look like you're homeless. <laughs> do you know That's about awesome. the Do you know about the guy on uh, Instagram in China that like took down an entire uh, government party wearing his watches? No. What oh, do, so this guy in China. All right, we're gonna sidebar. This guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. This guy in China is like a watch enthusiast, and what he does is he goes on Instagram on what whatever China's Instagram is, and Chinagram. I guess yeah, Chinagram. And he grabs, he like looks at public officials' watches and then tells you what the watch is. So it's like this guess this watch thing. So he found one public official who happened to have like a really, really nice watch. And the guy goes, oh, well, it's my only one, you know, and he calls him out. He's like, it was a $30,000 watch. You have a $10,000 a year salary. Why the fuck do you have this watch? He's like, oh, it's my only one. It was a gift, blah, blah, blah. So he goes on his Facebook thing or whatever and is like, actually, you have 18 watches. Here are all the different watches you have. Do you care to explain yourself? So then like the government officials come down and it ends up being like a whole conspiracy in like an entire province where like he's been taking cashbacks from all these contractors for years and years and years. And this guy just called him out because he could identify all of his watches. Whoa! Yeah, it like goes. He got so deep, and he got like taken off the Chinese Instagram for a while Jesus. as like basically like they thought he was being a terrorist. And he's like, guys, I'm just telling you what watches they wear. I'm not saying anything <laughs> else. Nuts! It was awesome. That's great. Uh, but you're very true, though. Watches. Jeez. Perfect segue. So I have a question. How a how did you get into becoming a vegan? Oh shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man. I was super <laughs> curious because you just moved to Montana where you can literally get like any cut of beef you want, like in your backyard. Yeah. All right. I'll make this- <laughs> I don't seem too like ranty here. No, um, man. Go ahead. So like you know, my, my whole life, I grew up like everybody else, right? I grew up, you know, dairy, milkshakes, fucking steak, every as much steak as you could eat because I always wanted to be big. So I, you know, I broke 200 pounds and like. 10th grade, maybe 9th grade. I graduated at 215. I hit 240 by, uh, I guess, like 20. I've been upwards of like 300 pounds. Um, I've been all over the place, and I've always thought like protein consumption was the main driver of it. Um, so then I got goats, right? And uh, Dana wanted these fucking goats. So I got these goats, and I realized that the goats were acting like, like, like dogs. 
Like, mm-hmm. no different than dogs. And I really started to realize, and I was like, whoa, these goats are, like, they like me. They know their names. Like, they want to be petted like a dog. And it made me look at livestock differently. Um, at that same point in time, I was 305 pounds. Um, and Dana came to me, and she's like, listen, like, I know you like being big and strong and shit, but, like, you're winded. You're not sleeping. Um she's like, you're not healthy. And I want you to live longer. I was like, all right, so I'll go on a diet. So I dropped out meat completely. Um, and I just did fish, fish, dairy, and eggs. And I did that for a while. I forget how long, but at the same point in time, I also started intermittent fasting and I was on average taking in maybe 120 grams of protein a day, all fish, uh, fish and eggs. And, uh, I started to feel a lot better. I started to look a lot better. And then I also sort of started to like, sort of watch some of the weird vegan videos. And, uh, <laughs> I guess I radicalized. Is that, is that the term? I was like slowly radicalized. Um, it's a touchy term, but yeah, yeah it's yeah, pretty yeah. good. <laughs> I don't know where but, we're uh, going. <laughs> I, I saw, uh, I, I pretty much, I already started questioning everything because I, I was holding a lot of size. I was only doing 120 grams of protein a day at 270 pounds. And um, I was feeling really, really good. And I, uh, I dropped out fish just to see, like, what was going on. And then I saw there was, there's a video online of a um, cow being, like, inserted into this, like, mechanical device where they cut their throats. And that was sort of, like, too much for me. I saw that. Out. Everything else. Eleven months in right now, I'm still two. I'm two fifty. I've always been like I haven't noticed anything change. Um, I don't know. It's it, it, it's it makes me think that I've been like lied to my whole life because if I can stay the same size as I've always been. I'm not attempting to grow. Um, I'm not on like TRT. I'm not, not taking any fucking testosterone. I'm not doing anything. I'm legit just like training casually three days a week and eating vegetables. And I'm still like 260 and strong. So it's, to, to me, like my next thing I think is like, so why do all these things need to die so that people can live? Because they obviously don't. I'm doing like the experiment on myself. Because I didn't believe anybody. And I wanted to do it for myself. And I'm 11 months in. And I've noticed the only I've noticed two things. Um, one, the inflammation in my joints went down. So I actually can't keep a wedding ring on my finger. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that's like- a questionable. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your reason? Is that, and, and your second <laughs> Is that what you're going with? But yeah, that's that's why I don't that's why I don't wear it. No, but <laughs> my, my wedding ring falls off all the time. So, uh. but my knuckles used to be swollen, and I didn't even realize it. And like after two months of being vegan, like all of a sudden my ring started falling off all the time. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even realize that's swollen. And then everyone told me that like I look thin. I'm the same weight, but I lost all the like the the I guess like the water weight in my face. Um, and then one that's a little more like uh, uh, intimate is. Um, I always had, like, hemorrhoidal tissue mm-hmm. just from, like, I guess being a bigger dude and taking monster shits. And, dude, two months in, that went away. 
Like I just, I just watched my dad have surgery to get that taken away. And I was always thinking to myself like, fuck, I don't ever want to do that. And two months into being vegan, it fucking all vanished. Like, oh, okay, cool. It's so, crazy how certain lifestyle changes affect certain people. So we also do nutrition coaching for our members here. And, yep. you know, it's one of those things where, like, you, you our nutrition, nutrition coaching doesn't necessarily push eating meat or push just eating vegetables or push just eating um, fish, right? So it, we always say, you know, a healthy mix is good. But if you want to be a vegan and do this, perfectly fine. The idea that we had was a paleo type diet where, you know, it's no processed foods, right? Yeah. Trying to eliminate just the processed foods, which is something that I've been trying to do over the past, I'd probably say year, is just starting to eat real food, right? Because yep. I'm a bigger guy. Like I'm six one. I was 300 and some pounds when I started dieting or just kind of watching what I eat. And like now I'm like 260, but it's it's been a change. And I've noticed for a while that where I stopped eating you know, certain cuts of meat and certain things affect you differently. And I started eating just fish and then I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. And then it was like, I kind of got tired of that. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll just start eating chicken again. And I was like, okay, this feels okay. And then, you know, beef here and there. But my thing is that I noticed intermittent fasting and just eating normal quantities of food, not like an absorbent amount of, you know, protein or carbs or whatever, but a normal amount was the best that worked for me. Just like, obviously, being a vegan is benefiting you a thousand percent right now, and that's yeah. kind—it's of, just kind of cool to see like the different effects that it has. Like, you can still be a big fucking dude and eat nuts and, and veggies, you know, and still and still be strong as shit. Look at Kendrick. Yeah, Kendrick's a great example of an Olympian that put on a massive amount of size early in time, and then switched to a vegan diet. I mean, him and I were having a conversation a couple months ago actually, and he was like. He was talking to me because I have chickens. And he was like, have you killed one of the chickens yet? And I said, yeah. He goes, have you eaten it? And I said, no, it's actually still in my freezer. <laughs> he said, well, we, would you bring yourself to eat it or would you rather just not? And I like literally debated on it for a long time until I went home and like ate it. But now every single time I consume a chicken or something like that, I think of all the things I had to do to get it to that point. And it makes it a lot it changes the way that you look at the food. So then yep. all of a sudden the protein intake goes down a lot like the, I shouldn't say protein, but the, the flesh intake goes down a lot more. And I start looking more towards like mashed potatoes and like, you know, my girlfriend, Megan loves nutritional yeast in fucking everything and every other kind of weird shit that I never <laughs> fucking nutritional yeast, Mac and cheese. <laughs> it was yep. amazing it was tasted just like mac and cheese and i hated her for it i wanted to fight her but it was like you start to think about things a lot differently too and i think as we get older as our like competitive careers kind of dwindle down you start looking more in longevity yeah you look more why. towards yeah and it's like like Do you I, really need that right a growing boy I don't know. You're not going to grow. I'm not growing. I'm yeah. still 135 pounds. This shit ain't happening. I've been eating meat for a long time, bro. Well, it's like, what was those, those, there was like, I think there was two key documentaries that happened in the past, like, let's say three or four years. One of them food was Inc. Cowspiracy. Oh. And the other one was What the Health. I thought you were going to say Food Inc., man. That was a good Food Inc. One. was good too, but like, I watched Cowspiracy and What the Health, and I was like, I think I need to be a vegan. Like, I need to not eat 
any of this shit that I'm eating right now. Now, let me ask you this, man. Do you think that people need to like not eat meat ever? Or do you think that it's at a certain point in time? Do you think that are you it's ask, just... Are a, you asking me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about these two guys. <laughs> um, uh, shit, man. Like, I question everything now. So, like, even... I, I never saw Cowspiracy, but I saw What the Hell. And it was definitely, like, a very pointed... Like, the way they were doing it, I saw it. You know, and it was... I'm very big on feeling like I'm lied to by everybody. If it's government, if it's marketing, if it's anything. So, like, I don't know, man. I don't I don't trust anything. But I, I don't think that you need to eat meat... Like I'm, I'm 34 right now, so my my test levels are like low 400s, and that's just where they sit. Um, but I would, you know, I'd love to go back to, you know, when I was 20 and I actually like was fucking growing, and to see if I could eat the same amount and still grow. I, I don't think, I don't think you ever need to eat meat. I know it's like a crazy thing to say, and I know that like I'm not a fucking doctor, but. I don't know, man. I mean, if you would have asked me two years ago, I would have called myself crazy right now. But right now, how I feel, and like, I know I could get bigger if I needed to. Like, if I legit need to grow right now, I could grow. So it's like, I, I don't know. God, what does that feel like? Yeah, it's, it's funny looking back and say, like, one of the, you just said you would call yourself crazy two years ago. I mean, you're evolving. You know, you're, you learned something new. Your beliefs changed. It's not, it's, I wouldn't say crazy. It's just, you know, you're growing. Dude, when I was powerlifting like three years ago, and you would have said, "Hey Pat, in three years, you're gonna be you're gonna be coaching at a CrossFit gym, and you're gonna be part of a podcast that its main audience is CrossFitters," I would have been like, "Fuck you, that's gay. I'm not doing that. <laughs> like that's fucking stupid. CrossFitting sucks. Like all this stuff." And like now, I'm like, you know, the biggest advocate for for it's changed my life in all the positive ways that you can think of. You know, and, and it's amazing that making a lifestyle change like that is something that can affect everything. Well, I think a lot of times it's like when you don't try it. And that's the big thing is that, you know, everyone's like, oh, CrossFit fucking gay is what they say. But like, I don't know, dude, you try CrossFit. If you have a competitive fucking bone in your body, you're going to appreciate it. And I think those I mean, bones are being bred out of us. Yeah. <laughs> no, they are. <laughs> yeah. But it's such it's so dope. And like. I know the few times that I've done CrossFit, like everyone around you cheers for you. Like you're competing against yourself, you're competing against other people, and you're like constantly pushing your body to the max. And it's sort of like in a group. Um, I don't know. CrossFit's dope, man. I think that a lot of times people are just scared of not trying something. Like my dad would never consider stop eating meat. And it like makes him mad sometimes when I bring up like, oh, I can't eat that because I'm vegan. And he's like, oh, you can eat that. What the fuck? And it's like... <laughs> It makes him angry because he, he doesn't understand it at all. And I think a lot of times when people don't understand things, they like they just revert to like hate and fear. No, I definitely it's, agree with that. It's tough. It's it's also I mean, using that as an example, it's like an old school mentality. You know, my father ten years ago was diagnosed with diabetes. I mean, we're an athletic family, super healthy, like, you know, didn't eat bad, you know, just a normal American family. And getting him in a six month period to switch to eating a different way in a, in a healthy way was so foreign and so difficult that yep. it just, you know, people just, they're set in their ways for so long that unless they really want to change, it's really hard. Yeah. 
But that's also the problem with, you know, with, you know, if you want to say America, you know, you can essentially say that, but I think it's all over the, the world. world, you know, and people it's... People don't like change. No, change is bad, essentially, but... In, well, look where we came from. I mean, as, as a human race, change is, is scary, and it means something bad can happen, and you can't procreate. Yeah, it's unknown. Yep. So why, why would you, why would you want change? Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't naturally, biologically, it's, it's wrong to change. No, it's funny. It's just like, I think of the way that I'm, I'm wired and I perform better under stressful situations and being in like kind of that you need to do this, like this needs Mm -hmm. to happen or change breeds growth, you know? Yeah. I mean, exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's. It's a sh- I almost feel bad. I don't want to say I feel bad for people that can't accept change, but it's something that I feel like hinders growth in a lot of people. And it would be like so much better if people would just fucking open their eyes sometimes and be like, oh, wow, that's actually okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the worst. You know, you can actually CrossFit and have good form. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Pat. Yeah. Except for me. Except that's, for yeah. Pat. Yeah. Try, try doing a, uh, a high bar squat with low bar technique. It's the fucking worst. <laughs> I'm doing a, like you know what, what's idea. that what's that lift that we were doing the one day where it was like the the, the Kang, Romanian the, the Kang, Kang squats, squats. Yeah. yeah watching Pat do that it was like watching him do a back squat watching Kang me squat squats, like 450 pounds in like a Kang squat where it's like a squat. squat and then a Romanian deadlift to stand back up good morning oh, good morning yeah. good morning yeah good morning yeah so it's like I was it's like some oh, dumb fuck. stupid American shit you know it's like oh we're we're gonna be power lifters and we're just gonna make some shit up because all we ever do is squat deadlift and bench so let's just Change do it. some dumb shit. Can you tell he's an Olympic lifter? Or? <laughs> what do you mean? We do the same thing. You just clean and jerk and snatch. <laughs> we're like, oh, yeah, we're going to snatch. We're going to do snatch balances. Yeah, that's where we throw it off our back and then jump under it like a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, so you, you end up on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> what does that work? Snatches. <laughs> Can you just snatch? I uh. guess. So how's, how's, um, how's Dana doing with the powerlifting? I know she had a, she had a meet recently, right? Uh, yeah, so she, what did she do? She did Raw Nationals. Uh, what category? You know, bear oh. with me. I don't know all these. USAPL or something. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's the one where they show up in my house all the time and drug test her. <laughs> that would be <laughs> USAPL. That? That's USAPL. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's that like, life so... I know. It's that. sort of like the coolest thing ever because no one's ever believed that she's natural. So it's nice that like... People are just randomly showing up and drug testing her all the time, but it's also super fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah, especially when they watch you piss. Yeah, that's a weird thing too. Yeah, um, they're like, "I'm gonna come with you." Like, no, <laughs> it was funny. Okay. So, like the uh, the Instagram story that 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 Dana posted, it was like, "So I have to leave here. I have to leave the gym or the warehouse, and I have to go back and pe- apparently I have to pee into a cup." And it was yeah, like and the- like. And like, there's there's always fans in our gym, and he's like, I, I was like peeing with the door open as fans were coming in, like, <laughs> like it's just really awkward, but it, it's cool. Um, I do have a little. She's doing the Arnold. Um, Arnold. For powerlifting. Nice, nice. Um, I, I'm working on a little something, something. Um, mm-hmm. I, I sort of want her. I, I I'm not gonna put it out there, but. You'll see. <laughs> um. But no, it's it's cool. She, she digs it, and uh, she actually likes the validation of being drug tested, like 
as much as she is so that she can somewhat prove not that anyone fucking believes anybody anyway but yeah. you know what I mean it's a, it's a nice internal it's, it's fun fuck to, you it's fun to get drug tested I have a stack of drug tests at my house where I'm like hey look at for 10 years I was completely clean as far as these drug tests say <laughs> Dude, that yeah. was like the fucking NCAA, man. They tested the shit out of me. And I'm like, I don't understand why I'm getting tested so much. I'm literally the chubbiest dude here. <laughs> I'm not even that good. Like, I, I don't, don't I didn't have a, I didn't have a six pack. Like I didn't have anything. Like, like you barely see any muscles because it was just a big body. I used to say that all the time. I'm like, look at me. Do you know how huge I would be if I did any kind of like testosterone? <laughs> I'm like I'm 132 pounds. Yeah, I have <laughs> I get that I look jacked, but I am very, very weak and small. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, thank you, though. I appreciate it. So, so what's next? What's on the horizon? You know, the, you just hinted at something at the Arnold. So, what's what's next for the for the brand? Um, well, we're, I mean, we're trying to get set up in Montana. We're going to try to expand the adventure based, um, the adventure based stuff into like you know more higher end jackets and stuff like that. Um, but also, sort of like stay keep our firm hold in the fitness industry um the big thing is man we're still trying to make this transition to montana because you know i only took four employees with me and i'm trying to figure out how lean i can run the company and then build it back up um because i I think we got too big before and we had you know i had some really good employees but then i also had some employees that were just there just to be there Mm -hmm. and i don't want people like that around me so I don't know. Really, just trying to see what a Montana winter is like, and then <laughs> get this fucking warehouse set up. Sweet, I'll send you my resume. Sorry, <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. Joe. I'll see you later. Now that's awesome, man. I'm excited to see what you guys put out in the future. Um, and it's it's been cool to to, to you know see the growth so far. Um, I appreciate you hopping on, man. I know we don't we don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're traveling, so um, I'm in Oregon. Oregon. Nice. I'm in uh, Portland, Oregon right now. I'm uh, I'm actually going to get my written for my pilot's license. Oh, nice. nice. My mom yeah. got that back in the day. How about Hell that yeah. shit? All right, be careful, man. I heard there's these things called hipsters in Portland. They're a little weird. <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere. They're sleeping all over the corners and shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Keep your balls close to you and don't take any of their beard oil. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's awesome. It's fake shit. <laughs> <laughs> now thanks for yeah. coming on with us yeah man. no thanks a lot man Absolutely, um guys yeah if you're ever you know if you guys ever come back to the uh the area and you find yourself in south jersey you know don't be a stranger um Hell yeah. the gym's always open if you want to come by so yeah i'm always here yeah we're always well, i gotta do i gotta do crossfit though no, no we have six that. platforms no you can yeah, lift on man we have six weightlifting <laughs> platforms kilogram weights oh cool yeah yeah i don't know if i have the right shoes or whatever <laughs> I, accessories. I mean that is an accessory or he walks out oh dude i have all the accessories the six million dollar man I have 15-year-old weightlifting shoes that are falling apart. Yep. I just bought Adidas Pat, ones. Pat's got three pairs. Knee sleeves, wrist wraps, a headband. <laughs> and I'll, I'll send you my resume. What's so that I'll model? See when I move look, out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> look good, feel good, perform good, right? Yeah, That's yeah. The whole Ooh, thing. I like that. Yeah. All right. Yo, That's no, why I appreciate I scare when I train. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome, man. No, I thought, that, I thought yeah. that was to cover your tired eyes. <laughs> That's awesome. No, thanks a lot for hopping on, dude. Uh, I wish you best of luck uh, moving forward, and you know, hopefully we can reconnect and, and hop on the podcast again. Cool, man. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks Alex, man. Later.